thank you so much. We have a stander in the back. So come on in, Mr. Stander, and have a seat. That's fantastic. Um, so, uh, if you don't know about me, uh, I went to school, went to high school here in Denver. I'm a Lincoln High graduate. I uh, got a Grammy nomination for one of my albums, moved back to LA where I was originally from, and by just kind of a miraculous set of coincidences, I ended up being a jazz book author for Howlin' and Publishing. And this is my book, Jazz Piano Voicings, the hard copy of it. And uh, today we're just gonna talk about a bunch of things, piano related, music related, any kind of question you guys might have uh, about playing music or what I've done. I have a series of books uh, that you can get on my website, planetmullins.com slash book.htm, okay? All right, so it's the seven tips for improving your musicianship and your piano playing. And I'm gonna start with number one, and uh, even before I get into that, I'm gonna say why did I choose playing the piano instead of a guitar, okay? And here's the reason. so much sound out of a piano and for kids especially learning it's all laid out it's all very visual you know you can see everything there and with a guitar it's not like that the guitar only has six note polyphony this is 88 note polyphony and I like this feature too because if I want to play a D chord and it's not in tune whose fault is it not mine <laughs> now guitar players a lot of times get into this thing of, and we call them kind of gearheads and you know techno dudes. They get into a thing where it's that endless tuning of the guitar before they play anything. You know, I know a couple guitar owners in LA that aren't really players that have tons of guitars, and they'll pick up the uh, Les Paul, ring, 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 ring. Oh, it's all right. Ring, ring, ring. Ah, oh, yeah. Ring, ring, ring. Then they get it in tune and they set it down and they go to the next guitar and start tuning it. <laughs> That is not how music works, okay? Music is an experience, right? And anything that you can do to help you have a better musical experience, you should just do it, okay? Um, so number one is setting up your room, your practice space, your office, your music studio or whatever. Um, you can see I've got a few peripherals up here. I have a Mac laptop that I use for play-along tracks and pull music off of YouTube. I've got uh, a cell phone that uh, you know keeps me on time, and I've got printed paper. Yes, you probably remember this from history class, <laughs> right? Now, <clears throat> using printed paper is really important, and I have a singer here who's going to join us in a little bit. And we haven't really learned the music, but instead of trying to read off of the tablet, off of my phone, off of the computer, I printed everything out so that I could quickly make notes, changing keys. In fact, what key do we end up in on uh, Embrace Bliss? D flat, right? Yeah. Okay, so you got to set up your room. 
We have a little uh, mic and a PA thing for her over here. Now, I do a lot of play-along stuff for piano players. And what that means is that it's not like the I Real Book, if you know what the real book is, where they have the, uh, you know, the song plays along and there's no melodies, and all you get is the chord symbols. Uh, my play-along library is going to be available later this year, probably by summer. I've already got more than 80 songs done with a jazz trio, so you'll be able to download everything with me playing with an excellent bass player and a drummer. You'll have a chart there, and you'll also have the Music Minus One stuff. So even if you don't have a professional bass player and drummer, and you're a young person learning to play piano, you can have a world-class trio right in your house with this play along series, which is pretty cool. Now, setting up your room at home, for jazz, you have to be sure that you have some sort of a speaker like this, okay? Because earbuds, they're not gonna work. Why not? Because there's no response down here where the bass player plays. Super critical to have low frequencies, okay? Now, if you have a good set of headphones, that's fine too. Um, I always prefer wired stuff. I don't like wireless stuff at all. And that's a distraction. So you want a distraction-free environment as much as possible, all right? So for me, that means no animals in the room. How many people just stop because the cat came in? Oh, look at the kitty, it's so fantastic. And your practice session goes, right? And when you play music and set up your room, you want to have a really nice experience. So if you need special art on the walls, they have a lot of jazzy art in here, uh, Coltrane and Monk, and, and great jazz people, whatever makes you feel comfortable so that you can just kind of focus on making your music and making your sound. So that's number one. Number two, uh, and I'll just ask this question. Out of all the uh, five senses, what's the most important one in music? This should be easy. Anybody? Hearing. Hearing. Yep, the guy back here is going, mm. right? Why are your ears more important than your eyes? Because visual things, and most people are oriented towards visual stuff, like, flashy colors and videos and TikTok and YouTube and all this stuff and oh I've got to have a pink piano or I can't play. I've heard stuff like that before. But you know with a piano or a keyboard sense of smell is not really involved unless your cat comes in and takes a dump in your piano. <laughs> <laughs> right? <clears throat> And you want to eliminate as many visual distractions as possible. That's another reason that I have sheet music here. Because if I'm going to read these things off of a uh, computer or a tablet, a bunch of my focus is going to be on how do I get to the next page. So here, this is from um, one of my books, 21 Chord Progressions. Everyone needs to learn. happening to me. Focus is off of the sound, it's off of the piano, 
I'm scrolling, I'm looking around, and now I'm distracted and I visually have to find where I am in the next part and what stopped the music. You don't want the music to stop. Music should be a thing where you play and you make a continuous uh, sound for at least 30 seconds, you know? I mean, I really do have to say that because it's very hard for some people to do that without getting distracted. Um, okay, sorry, I'm really dehydrated in this uh, Denver climate. Okay, number three, fingering. How many people have problems with their fingering? Anybody? Fingering is really easy if you just cut it into groups. Groups of two, groups of three, groups of four, once in a while a group of five, okay? But this is the problem that a lot of people have when they're trying to play a scale, and I've seen, you know, people starting out, and then there's this. <laughs> so, that's solved just with this little move, you know. You don't want to do this in your school, in the classroom, especially if you're on video, but that's the move. <laughs> Passing under of the thumb, right? It's not an arm move. I like to think of, it's kind of like, uh, you know, washing a car or cleaning a table. That's what your movement should be like when you play the piano. Right? It should be something like this. It's not a lot of this, right? And, um, you know, I like to practice these kinds of things. And this move all the way here. And you notice that my butt is not getting up in the air and I'm not off the bench when I do that, right? Which brings me to the other thing that I should mention about setting up your room. Have a bench that's the right height for you. Okay, don't have a bench that's too high, a seat that's too low, because what happens with that, I, um, you know, I used to play a lot of bar gigs in Denver and they would have these bar stools. And you're up like this on the stool and you're fine until you get home and then you can't walk the next day, right? So go ahead and measure it. A nice bench like this that's adjustable, it's always a good call because if you can adjust it, then you get yourself in a comfortable position. Like right now, this is just perfect for me, and I love it. So, practicing the fingering groups. Groups of two. I just played the whole C major scale with two fingers. That's very helpful. Groups of three are great. That's one, two, three, one, two, three. Here's one, three, five. exercises. I have a few that I use in my practice routine and I just came up with them on my own because I'm, as I got older I just got busier and busier and busier to where I only have 10 minutes today to do any kind of any fingering at the piano. So what can I do that's not Hannon, right, that goes through a lot of different keys, 
that gets all five of my fingers going. So I came up with this, and this is a group of five in each hand. slow and work it up from there okay so um, that's number three about fingering sir yes we have a question what do you do for thumb under exercises what are some that you found effective for yourself okay here's a perfect one right here is you take um, these three fingers three four five and you push them down right and then you're gonna go Stressed out trying to get something done on the piano and then walk away 
and you know, kick the dog or throw a baseball through a window or yell at the nearest relative of you, hey you, it's your fault, right? So it's interesting because today I think is, as I counted this up earlier, uh, Scroll down, 42,281st hour of one hour piano lessons I've taught in my life. I've been doing this 42,000 hours, right? So one of the things I really had to help people with probably the most is just getting the stress out of practice, taking the stress out of songs, trying to get relaxed, trying to get focused. We've already moved, removed a lot of the distractions by setting up your room correctly. But first thing to do is just forget tempo altogether. If you got a problem and you can't get from the first bar to the second bar of the tune, then don't turn on your metronome and get angry, right? Metronomes are great. However, you've got to just figure out the notes. However, you have to figure those notes out of a simple chord progression and then play them one at a time and let them ring out in the room joyously. Here's a uh, A flat major chord. And if I had that on a piece of paper, I'd be looking at it and then I'd find them one at a time. And if you have a piece of sheet music, people, this is another good reason that you print it out. Because if you can't read all that well in the bass clef, welcome to another club, right? The grand staff is not easy to read. I don't know how in all these years nobody invented something that's way easier to read, but it's not. So what I do is I get it out, and for years, if there's this chord, I got my thing, I'm right, F, the letter, F, A, C, E. And I don't care if I'm playing with the Denver Symphony that night, and somebody comes over and goes, you hand your man as a letter Who cares, man? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Whatever you can do to help yourself play better, that's really the key to the whole thing. So now that I've got my A-flat chord here, there's a whole lot of stuff that I can do with it. I'm going to pedal it. This is the first chord of my song. And I'm going to congratulate myself. I made it this far. Right? Now the next chord is going to be an F7 uh, plus 9 plus 5. Now reading that is not so easy, especially in jazz, because jazz uses inharmonic spelling a lot, which means you're going to have an A, then it's going to be right next to uh, C flat. And then the C flat is going to be next to an E flat. Then you got an A on the bottom, but you got an A flat on the top. But is it really going to 